0: Section 1 of Crypt City of the Deathless One by Henry Cutner. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Edith Keswick of Southern Ohio. Crypt City of the Deathless One by Henry Cutner. 1 icy water splashed into edgarth's face and dripped down his tattered grimy shirt it was a tremendous effort to open his eyes fumes of the native ganymedean rotgut liquor were swimming in his brain Someone was shaking him roughly garth's stocky body jerked convulsively he struck out his drink-swollen face twisted with frightened fury and gasped ilgana vomantra alcon the hand on his shoulder fell away Someone said, that's it, Paula, the ancient tongue. And a girl's voice, doubtful, a little disgusted. You're sure? But how in the system did this, this... Bum. Tramp. Garth muttered, peering blearily at the pale ovals of unfocused faces above him. Don't mind me, sister. Beachcomber is the word. Drunk right now. So please get the hell out and let me finish my bottle more water was sluiced on garth he shook his head groaning and saw Tolomo, the ganymedian trader scowling down at him the native's three-pupiled eyes were angry english hissed oddly accented on his tongue you wake up garth hear me this is a job for you you owe me too much already these people come looking for you say they want a guide now you do what they want and pay me for all that liquor you buy on credit sure garth said wearily Tomorrow. Not now. Tolomo snorted. I get you native guides, Captain Brown. They know the way to chan. The man's voice said stubbornly, I don't want natives. I want Ed Garth. Well, you won't get him, Garth growled, pillowing his head on his arms. This joint smells already, but you make it worse. Beat it. He did not see Captain Brown slip Tolomo a folded credit current. The trader deftly pocketed the money, nodded, and gripped Garth by the hair, lifting his head. The bluish, inhuman face was thrust into the Earthman's. "'Listen to me, Garth,' Tolomo said, fairly spitting the words. "'I let you come in here and get drunk all the time on the cuff. You pay me a little, not much, whenever you gather enough alka-roots to sell, but you owe plenty. People ask me why I let a bum like you come to my moonflower-ritz bar.' That's a laugh, Garth mouthed. A ramshackle plastic flop house full of cockroaches and bad liquor. Moonflower Ritz. Hogwash. Shut up, Tolomo snapped. I let you run up a bill here when nobody else would. Now you take this job and pay me or I have the marshal put you in jail. At hard labor. In the swamps. Garth called Tolomo something unprintable. Okay, he groaned, you win, louse. You know damn well no earth man can stand swamp work, even with bog shoes. Now let go of my hair before I smash your teeth in. You do it? You guide these people? I said I would, didn't I? Garth reached fumblingly for the bottle before him. Someone thrust a filled glass into his hand. He gulped the fiery purplish liquor, shuddered, and blew out his breath. Okay, he said. Welcome to Ganymede, the pleasure spot of the system, the worst climate outside hell, the only world almost completely unexplored, and the nicest place for going to the dogs I've ever seen. The Chamber of Commerce greets you. Here's the representative. He pointed to a six-legged lizard with the face of a gargoyle that scuttled over the table and leaped into the shadows where the light of the radio lamp did not reach. Captain Brown said, I can offer you $50 to guide us to the ruined city, Chan, And maybe I can offer you 10000 bucks to do another little job for us. The shock of that was more effective than cold water had been. Garth jerked back, for the first time looking at his companions. There were two of them, a man and a girl, their neat tropical outfits looking out of place in this grimy dive. The man was thin and bronzed, looking as though all the moisture had been boiled out of him by hot suns. He was made of tough leather, Garth thought. His face was the most expressionless one Garth had ever seen. Pale, shallow eyes, a rat trap mouth, and the general air of a tiger taking it easy. The girl... Sudden, sick pain shot through Garth. She looked like Moira. For an incredible moment, he thought, with his liquor-dulled mind, that she had come back but moira was dead had been for nearly five years now five years of living death hitting the skids on ganymede where men go down fast garth's ravaged face hardened he forced himself to look squarely at the girl she wasn't moira after all she had the same look of sleek clean femininity but her hair was golden red instead of brown and her eyes were greenish not blue The softness in her face was belied by the stubborn, rounded chin. Ten thousand, Garth repeated softly. I don't get the picture. Any native could take you to Chan. The girl said, we know that. We're interested in something else. Could you use ten grand? Yeah, yeah, I could, Garth said. What would you do with it? Go back to Earth? We might swing it so that you could get a job there. There's been a shortage of men ever since the Silver Plague started. Garth laid his fingers gently around the glass and squeezed till the transparent plastic was bent out of shape. He didn't look at the girl. I'm through with Earth. If I could collect $10,000, i would commit suicide in a very funny way. I'd go into the Black Forest. The money could get me the men and equipment I'd need, but, well, nobody gets out of the Black Forest alive. You did, Captain Brown said eh you heard about that we've heard stories plenty of them about how you came out of the black forest six years ago raving with fever and talking in a language nobody could understand and how you've been taking trips into the forest ever since just what happened i know you tried to get up expeditions to rescue a man named willard he was with you wasn't he Garth felt again that sick deadness in his brain, the monstrous question that had been tormenting him for five years now. Abruptly, he slammed his fist on the table. Tolomo's face appeared behind a curtain and vanished again as Brown waved him back. Forget it, Garth said. Even on Ganymede, men mind their own business. Usually. Brown stroked his cheek with a calloused thumb. Suit yourself. Here's the setup, then. It's strictly confidential, or the deal's off. You'll know why later. Anyhow, we want you to guide us into the Black Forest. Garth's laughter rang harsh and bitter. Brown and the girl watched him with impassive eyes. What's so funny about it? she asked, scowling. Garth sobered. Nothing much. Only for five years I've been sweating blood trying to get into the forest, and I know the place better than anybody on Ganymede. See this? he rolled up his sleeve and exhibited a purplish scar along his arm a cannibal plant did that couldn't get away from the thing bullets and knives don't hurt the bloodsucker i had to stand there for two hours helpless till it got all the blood it wanted after that i managed to pull away i picked up a few scars myself brown said quietly garth glared at him not in the black forest the only way to get through that pest hole is with a big armed expedition Even then, you ever heard of the noctuli? No, who? Flowers. Their pollen works funny. Plenty funny. They grow in the interior and they give you amnesia. Not even gas masks help. The stuff works in through your skin. Doesn't it affect you? The girl wanted to know. Garth shivered and drank again. It did. Once. Later, I managed to work out an antitoxin. And I built up immunity anyhow. But it's quite a laugh. The two of you wanting to go into the Black Forest. Brown's face was emotionless. With an expedition, well armed. I'll provide that. Oh, that's a bit different. Just the same. What are you after? Just sightseeing, the girl said. Garth grinned crookedly. Okay, I know the stories. Everybody on Ganymede's heard of the ancients. Captain Brown's eyes hooded. What about them? The lost race? That they lived on Ganymede thousands of years ago and had the greatest science ever known to the system. That they die nobody knows how and the secrets of their civilization were lost. Chan's only one of their ruined cities. There have been a dozen others found and full of gadgets and robots that nobody knows how to work. There was a central power source, but earthmen have never figured out how it worked or what fuel was used. The inscriptions found in the cities didn't tell anything. Fair enough, Brown nodded except you forgot one thing. You know the ancient tongue. You speak it. Garth chewed his lip. So what? Where did you learn it? I don't know. In the Black Forest, I suppose. I don't remember. The girl made an impatient gesture. She quieted as Brown glanced at her. From the Zarno, Garth? I don't know. There's no proof the Zarno even exists if you've gone far enough into the Black Forest. Garth said angrily, remember what I told you about the noctoli? the effect of the pollen? When I got back to Orport here, I had amnesia. I, he hesitated, I don't remember. I never did remember what happened in the Black Forest. Mm-hmm. Brown rubbed his cheek again. A lost race of savages no outsiders have ever seen. A race speaking the tongue of the ancients. How could they live around those noctilife flowers of yours? Natural immunity, Garth said, built up over a period of generations. I didn't have that. Then. The girl leaned forward, ignoring Brown. Mr. Garth, she said swiftly, I think I'd better explain a bit more. Shut up, Carver. She frowned at Brown. There have been too many mysteries. Here's the setup. I've got half of a map. It shows the location of something in the Black Forest that's immensely valuable, the greatest treasure the system's ever known. I don't know what it is. The original inscription, in the ancients' language, is cryptic as the devil. But the ancients thought this treasure important enough to be worth hiding in the Black Forest. They set the Zarno to guard it. See? Garth grunted. So what? Well, I'm Paula Trent, archaeologist. Not that it matters. For months, Carver and I have been waiting our chance to fit out an expedition and come on here. We didn't have the money at first, and when we did get it, the government refused us permission. We had no proof, they said, and the Black Forest is impenetrable. So we waited. A month ago, we got wind of a research ship, the Hunter, coming out here to investigate Chan. The same old stuff, digging around in the ruins, trying to find out what made the machines and robots tick, trying to make sense out of the inscriptions, trying to find a cure for the silver plague. Garth said, no cure's been found then. Paula shook her head. No, since it started on Earth ten years ago, it's wiped out one twentieth of the population, and unless it's stopped, it'll destroy all life on our world. But that's old stuff except the government's sending out their best men to Ganymede, because it's known the Silver Plague existed here once and was conquered. The inscriptions in Chan show that, but they don't say what the treatment was or give any hints. However, she brushed red-gold hair from her forehead. Carver and I have planted men in the hunter crew, tough, good men who'll strike out with us into the Black Forest, with equipment. Desertion, eh? Technically, sure but the only way. Nobody will listen to us. We know, we know, the ancients hid their most valuable treasure in the Black Forest. What it is, we don't know. We're hoping it'll solve a lot of problems. The mystery of what powered their machines, what happened to the ancients, all that. No planes can be used, Garth said. There's no place to land in the forest. That's why we want you. You know the forest, and you know the ancient tongue. Guide the hunter crew to Chon. Then, when we give you the word, head for the Black Forest with us. Garth said, on one condition, you can't go. Paula's eyes narrowed. You're in no position to... Men might get through. A woman couldn't. Take it or leave it, Garth repeated stubbornly. Captain Brown nodded to the girl. All right, it's a deal. Sorry, Paula, but he's on the beam. Here's ten bucks, Garth. Balance when we get to Chan. We leave tomorrow at Jupiter Rise. Garth didn't answer. After a moment, Paula and Brown rose and went out through the mildewed tapestry curtain. Garth didn't blame them. The moonflower ritz smelled. Presently, he found Tolomo and gave him the money. The Ganymedean hissed worriedly. Only ten? You'll get the rest later. Give me a bottle. I don't think... Garth reached across the bar and seized a quart. Hereafter, I do my drinking out of doors, he remarked. I'll feel cleaner. Svant, Tolumo flung after him as he headed for the door. Garth's cheeks burned red at the word, which is Ganymedian and untranslatable, but he didn't turn. He stepped out into the muddy street, a cold wind, sulfurous and strong, stinging his nostrils. He looked around at the collection of plastic native huts. Till the hunter had arrived, he'd been the only Earthman in Town. Now, he didn't feel like talking to natives. The Tor towered against the purple sky, where three of Jupiter's moons were glowing lanterns. At the base of the Tor was Garth's shack. Swaying a little, clutching the bottle, he headed in that direction. He had waited five years for this moment. Now, when at last he might find the answer to the problem that had turned him into a derelict, he was afraid. He went into his hut, switched on the radio line, and stood looking at a door he had not opened for a long time. With a little sigh, he pushed at the latch. The smell of musty rot drifted out. A lamp revealed a complete medical laboratory, one that had not, apparently, been used for months at least. Garth almost dropped a bottle as he fumbled it from the shelf. Cursing, he opened the rot-gut Ganymedean whiskey and poured it down his throat. That helped. Steadied somewhat, he went to work. The noctili poison antitoxin was still here, but it might have lost its efficacy. He tested it. Good. It seems strong. The antibodies having a long life cycle. It would work. Garth packed a compact medical kit. After that, he stood for quite a while staring at two blank spaces on the wall where pictures had once hung Moira and Doc Willard. Damn. Garth snatched up the liquor and fled the house. He fought his way along the steep path that led to the tour's summit. The physical exertion was a relief. At the top, he sat down, his back against a rock. Beneath him lay Oartown, yellow-blue lights winking dimly. In a cleared field some distance away was the ovoid shape of the spaceship that had brought Paula and Brown, the Hunter. To the west, across sandy desert, lay Chan. Dead city that had once housed an incredibly advanced science, lost now, its people dust. Northwest, beyond the distant ridges, was the Black Forest, unexplored, secret, menacing. Six years ago, Dr. Jem Willard had come to Ganymede with his intern, Ed Garth. Willard was trying to discover the cure for the silver plague that was wrecking Earth. He would have found it, he had got on the track, but. An emergency call had come in one night. A native needed an appendectomy. Willard couldn't fly a plane. He had called on Garth, and Garth had been drunk. But he had piloted the plane anyhow. The crack-up happened over the Black Forest. That was the last thing Garth remembered, or almost the last. It would have been more merciful if the oblivion had been complete. Months later, he staggered out of the forest into Ortown alone the noctile poison had almost erased his experiences from his mind he could remember a bare cell where he and willard had been imprisoned that and one other thing a picture of doc willard stretched on an altar while garth lifted a gleaming razor-sharp knife above his friend's breast he remembered that but no more it was enough the question burning in his brain had nearly wrecked his sanity He had tried to get back into the Black Forest, to find Willard, dead or alive, to learn what had happened, to discover the answer to his problem. He had failed. A year later, he learned that his fiancée, Moira, had died of the Silver Plague, and he knew that Willard might have saved her had he lived and continued his research. After that, Edgarth hit the skids. He went down fast, stopping only when he reached the bottom. He killed the bottle and threw it out into emptiness, watching yellow light glint on the glass as it dropped. Well, he had his chance now, an expedition going into the Black Forest, but Garth was no longer the same husky giant who had fought his way through that deadly jungle. Five years on the skids had played havoc with him, stamina was gone, and the Black Forest was as terrible, as powerful, as ever. Garth wished he had brought another bottle. jupiter is a ball of luminous clouded marble gigantic in the sky of ganymede its light is a queer pale glow that lacks the warm brilliance of sunlight when the titanic planet lifts over the horizon gravity seems to shift and the ground feels unstable beneath your feet jupiter was rising now ohrtown lay ugly and desolate in the strange dawn across the plain where the spaceship had landed A string of truck cats, big, silvery desert freighters, stood motionless, ready to start the trip. There were signs of activity. At the central port of the Hunter stood a lanky, gray-haired man with a clipped, stiff Van Dyke. Behind him was Captain Brown. Garth, his medical kit strapped to his back, plowed through the light film of snow that lay over the sand. He was shivering in his thin garments, wishing he had a drink. Neither Brown nor his companion saw Garth's approach. The gray-haired man was speaking. Time to start. If this guide of yours doesn't show up, we'll have to wait till we find another. He'll show up, Brown said. I only gave him ten bucks. Garth reached the foot of the ramp leading to the port valve. Morning. Am I late? There was no answer. He climbed the slope, slippery with snow despite the skid treads, and stopped before the two men. Brown nodded at him. Here's our guide, Commander Benson. Benson scowled incredulously under tufted brows. What the devil? You're an earth man. Sure, Garth said. What about it? The commander glanced at Brown. I expected a native. I didn't know. He left the sentence hanging. You can't wear those rags, man. Captain, break out some clothes for him. Without another look at Garth, Benson hurried down the ramp, shouting orders to someone below. Brown grinned at the other. Come on inside, he urged, and in a lower tone. He's the big shot. You know enough to keep your mouth shut, eh? Garth nodded. Brown peered at him sharply. You need coffee. I'll lace it. Come along. He took Garth to the galley and presently supplied food, drink, and clothing. He lit a cigarette, idly watching the smoke sucked into the air conditioning grill. Benson's a tough egg, he said at last. If he had the slightest idea what we were figuring on, what we're figuring on, there'd be trouble. The commander never takes chances. We've got to give him the slip somehow. Garth gulped coffee. How many men do you have? Ten. Not many. Fully armed, though. There are sixty in the expedition altogether, but I could only feel sure of ten. Some of them I planted myself. Garth took the cigarette Brown handed him. Thanks. I know Chan pretty well. Once we get there, we can get away from the others. How? Underground passages. Not well known. We'll come out about thirty miles from Chan, and from there it's another twenty to the Black Forest. The last lap on open ground? Yeah. Not so good. If Benson misses us, he'll have planes out scouting. I've a hunch he's suspicious already. If he catches up with us, so what? There'll be other chances. That's what you think, Brown said grimly. I told you Benson was a tough egg. He'll clap us all in the brig and we'd end up with prison sentences on Earth, hazarding the success of a planetary expedition, they call it. So you see why we've got to find this treasure, whatever it is. Then you don't know either, eh? I've got a few ideas. Finished? Let's go, then. Brown came to his feet. Garth followed Brown out of the ship, pondering. The ancients had, admittedly, been an incredibly advanced race. Any treasure they thought worth guarding would be plenty valuable. Gold, gems, they seemed trivial compared to the tremendous scientific powers of the ancients. And unimportant as well, while the silver plague raged over Earth. They moved along the string of truck cats, each loaded with the necessary equipment, and reached the first. Commander Benson was already there, talking to the pilot. He looked around. Ready? What's your name? Garth? All right, get in. The front compartment of the truck cat was roomy enough. Paula Trent, Garth saw, was already there. She gave no sign that she noticed him. He shrugged and found a seat, and Captain Brown dropped down beside him, impassive as ever. The pilot came in. Sit up here next to me, buddy, he ordered. I'll need your help wrestling this tank through the arroyos. Benson himself was the last man to enter. He slid the door shut and nodded. Warmer up. Beside the driver, Garth could not see the others, nor could he hear their conversation as the motors coughed and snarled into life. The truck cat lurched forward on her caterpillar treads. The pilot looked inquiringly at Garth. Where'll I head? West? What about these quicksands I've been hearing about? Steer for the mountain peak, way over there, Garth told him. It's easy to see the sinkholes. They're big gray patches on the sand with no snow on them. The roar of the engine died into a monotonous murmur. It was possible to hear the conversation in the rear of the compartment. Commander Benson was talking. Atomic power. It must have been that. There's no other answer. All we need to know is the nature of the booster charge. I don't get it, Paula said. Booster charge? As far as our physicists know, atomic power is possible if there's a known way to start it and control it. Earth's reserves are nearly exhausted. Oil, coal, used up almost completely. And Earth needs power plenty bad to maintain civilization. The other planets have fuel. Space shipping's too expensive. It's prohibitive, Paula. Unless a new power source is found very soon, Earthmen may have to migrate to another world, and our civilization's so complex that that's nearly impossible. Maybe we can find the answer in Shan this time. It was one of the biggest cities of the ancients. I've never seen it, Captain Brown said. Benson grunted. I did, once, years ago, tremendous. The scientific achievements they must have had, and nobody knows what happened to the ancients. They just vanished, and their machines kept running until they'd used up their power, and stopped. So there's no trace left. We've located the fuel chambers, but in every case they've been empty. Experiments have been made, unsuccessfully. You still think my translation of the harrow panel was wrong, eh? I do, Commander Benson said. It was a variable cipher. No one else agrees with you that it was a code map. Ever heard of a double code? I'm sorry, Benson said shortly. We've settled all this. The Black Forest is impassable. We can't risk our chance of success on a wild goose chase. Beside the pilot, Garth's mouth twisted sardonically. He had an idea now what Carver Brown and Paula were after. The secret of the ancient's power source. Well, it might be found in the Black Forest. Anything might, including the lost race of the Zarno. and... His eyes went hard. Not yet would he let himself believe Doc Willard was still alive. The most he could hope for was an answer to that question, the tormenting problem of whether or not he had killed Willard. Lost in his absorption, he snapped out of it scarcely in time as the truck cat skidded on slick ice. Hard left, sand the treads. Instinctively, his hand flashed over to the right lever, releasing a sprinkling of sand that provided traction. He held it down while the pilot fought the wheel. They lurched, swung half around, and found level surface again. Through the window, Garth could see a 20-foot wide funnel sloping down to a black hole at the center. What was it? The pilot asked. "Krethas," the natives call them, but that doesn't mean much. Six-foot insects. Poisonous. They dig traps like antlions on Earth, pits with sloping sides. Once you skid on the ice, you slip on down to the hole at the bottom. Dangerous? Not to us in here, but we might have damaged the engine. Keep your eyes open after this, Garth, Commander Benson said sharply. Okay. Garth was silent. The truck cat drove on, leading the procession. The vehicles were fast. On level ground, they raced, hitting 80 miles per hour sometimes. By Jupiter set, they had reached Chan. Paula, for one, was disappointed. I expected a city, she told Garth as they stared around at the mile-square block of black stone, raised a few feet above ground level, its surface broken by a few structures oddly reminiscent of the subway kiosks of two centuries ago. It's all underground, Garth said. He was feeling shaky, needing a shot or two of liquor, but there was none. In lieu of it, he borrowed a cigarette from the girl and idled about, watching the men make camp. The roomy truck cats provided accommodations for 60 men without crowding. It wasn't necessary to set up tents. Indeed, in that icy air, only warmer tents, heated by induced current in their metallic fabric, would have been feasible. The trucks, however, could be heated easily and were air-conditioned. Garth walked over to a kiosk and peered into the black depths. Chan lay below the gigantic, complicated city of the ancients. Gru-Chan was the road to the Black Forest, the only road they could use under the circumstances. Garth shivered and went in search of Brown. He was feeling shakier than ever. Vividly in his mind was a picture he did not want to remember. A man stretched on an altar, a knife at his breast. He found Brown beside one of the trucks, looking into the darkness. Captain, huh? Oh, Garth. Say, Paula, Miss Trent took a flash lamp and went down into Chan to do a bit of exploring. I was thinking of going after her. Any danger down there? Garth shook his head. It's a dead city. She'll be okay. Unless she gets lost. She won't. There are markers pointing to the outlets. How about a drink? I could use one. Scowling, Brown nodded and pushed Garth into the truck. I bunk in here with the commander. You'll have to find a place with the men somewhere oh by the way he pushed folded slips into garth's hand here's the rest of that forty and here's a drink garth gulped brandy better than any he had tasted in years he didn't bother with a glass brown watched him with an almost imperceptible curl of the lip thanks when do i get that ten thousand when we're back here i don't trust you quite enough to let you have it now Garth wiped his mouth with the back of his hand, considered, and drank again. I won't run out on you. You're after that ancient's power source, aren't you? Brown's eyes narrowed a bit. Any of your business? Not in the way you mean, but I know the Black Forest. I might be able to give you some ideas if I'm not left too much in the dark. Still, I can guess a little. I know you expect to run into the Czarno. Yeah? Garth made an impatient gesture hell why did you want me as a guide it wasn't only because i knew the forest i can speak the ancient tongue the same language the czarno are supposed to use you'll want me to palaver with them maybe brown went to the back of the truck and found a fresh pack of cigarettes we can talk about that later we ought to talk now i know what sort of equipment you'll need in the forest if you run out on benson half equipped it'll be just too bad the door swung open, admitting a blast of frigid air. Commander Benson stepped in, his lips tight and hard, his eyes blazing. Brown, at the end of the chamber, swung around a sudden surprised tenseness in his attitude. I don't think you'll do any running out on me, Captain, Benson said. Brown flashed Garth a glance. Damn you, he half whispered. He took a step forward, tigerishly menacing. Benson pulled a gun from his pocket. Don't move, he said. Hold it right there. I thought you'd given up that crazy idea you and Paula had, but apparently, he shrugged. Well, I'll have to put you and the girl under guard. No one in this outfit's heading for the Black Forest if I can help it. Brown's hand hovered in midair. Don't try it, Benson said. Keep your gun where it belongs. The sound of a shot wouldn't help you any. He stepped back, his mouth opening in a shout that would summon others. Brown, at the other end of the truck, could not have reached him in time, but the commander had forgotten or ignored Garth. That was a mistake. Garth was only a few feet from Benson, and he galvanized into unexpected action. He sprang, one hand clamping over the gun, the other clenched, driving in a hard, short jab at Benson's chin. There was strength in that punch, and it connected at the right point. Had Garth not been gripping the commander's hand, the latter would have gone backward, out of the truck. Knockout, Brown said tonelessly. He was suddenly beside Garth, yanking Benson forward. Shut the door, quick. Garth obeyed. Turning, he saw the captain kneeling beside Benson's motionless form. After a moment, Brown looked up. He'll come out of it soon. Maybe too soon. Get me those straps from the corner. Garth did that and then had another drink. He felt lousy. He watched Brown bind the commander and thrust the lax figure out of sight under a bunk. That does it, Brown said, rising. We're in the soup now, but it was lucky you hit him when you did. What now? We start for the Black Forest before Benson wakes up. I'm second in command. I'll get my own men and we'll jump the gun. Brown's eyes were excited. Equipment? We'll take what we can. Weapons, mostly. Stay with me. They went out of the truck into the soft light of four moons. Too large, too tiny. Fourfold shadows paced them over the icy slick. Garth hurried off to find his medical kit. By the time he returned, Brown had mustered his men and was waiting. He gave Garth a brief glance. Okay, Morgan, he turned to a giant in uniform. I'll be back in a couple of hours. As soon as we find Miss Trent. Bye. Bye, sir. Garth led the way into one of the kiosks. Lamps were flashed on. A spiral ramp led steeply down. In an undertone, Brown said, I told Morgan Commander Benson sent me to find Paula Trent that she was lost in the city. So we're safe till, we're safe till we leave the underground passage, Garth said. After that, 20 miles across open ground. Has Benson got planes? Portable ones, yeah. Then we'd better do that 20 miles at night. The ramp ended. Before them was a gigantic room where their tiny lamps were lost. Here and there enigmatic shadows loomed, the dead, fantastic machines of the ancients that had once made Chan alive and powerful. Garth went directly to an opening in the wall, Brown and his ten men following, and entered a short tunnel. At one spot he paused, ran his finger over a panel of smooth metal, and pressed. A black oval opened silently. Here's the way. They won't follow us beyond this point. Brown nodded. Samson, get the man inside. Wait here for me. I'll be back as soon as I can. A burly, beak-nosed fellow with a cast in one eye and flaming red hair saluted casually. Right. Come on, boys, hop through. Mind your packs. Gar stared at Brown. What do you mean? Where? The captain said, we're taking Paula Trent with us. No, it's nearly suicide for us. She couldn't make it at all. She's tougher than you think. Besides, she's got the map, and she's an archaeologist. I can't read the ancients' lingo, can you? Garth shook his head. I can speak it, that's all, but if we find what we're after, we'll need Paula Trent. She's down here somewhere. Let's go find her. I tell you, Brown brought out a gun and leveled it. Find her, or I'll find her myself and we'll head for the Black Forest without you, because you'll be dead. I haven't come this far to let you stop me and chivalry looks a bit funny on a guy like you. Sudden murder light flared in the pale eyes. Find her, Brown whispered, and fast. End of section one.